0: and i have with us Bettina schultz um and she is a equine therapist and an lpc right lpc yep
1: in texas call that lpc yep
0: that's right uh, and so that's a licensed professional counselor i know there's all kinds of state licenses that are called different things but mental health professional um and so we're going to be talking about equine therapy or equine assisted therapy and we'll talk about the difference in a second but um i'm really excited about this episode I got to know Patina over the last six months or so, and she's been super helpful to me, to our family. Um, And I have been uh, a benefactor of equine therapy as of the last 18 months and have been going uh, to somebody who was trained in natural lifemanship in Longview, Texas. And so I've done about 80 hours of equine therapy myself in the last 18 months, and it was just super helpful to me, life changing um, in connection and attachment and authenticity. My wife's done some recently and going to come back and do some more. And so, um, yeah, I just, we, we have been super excited about the world kind of hearing about what this is and falling in love with horses in the last couple you know, year and a half. And, um, and we have some goals for here in Shreveport to do some equine therapy and get trained and and bring that into Clint Davis counseling. And I'll talk more about that later, but, um, so that's kind of what the goal is today is for people to hear what, equine therapy it or equine assisted therapy is and I get to know you a little bit and what natural lifemanship is which is your program and then hopefully we're going to get trained and bring that here to Shreveport and Bosier and then just have an awesome partnership to where we can do all kinds of work together to help people with trauma and help people with attachment and yeah so Bettina tell, tell us okay so we were talking a little bit before equine therapy versus equine assisted therapy tell us like what what the vernacular is and what's your perspective
1: yeah. Yeah, so I'll say first since my name is important to me that it's Bettina Schultz Joe. Okay. I my maiden name is Schultz, but my who I am married to also is important to me. So I feel like gotcha. I should mention. <laughs> it was a conversation upon marriage how this how this last name would go. So it's Bettina Schultz Joe. Now, since we're speaking of terms here, right? Yeah. So right before we got on, I had said, please, you know, say equine assisted therapy, not equine therapy. And you said, what's the difference? And we started to talk about it. And you're like, actually, let's discuss that on the podcast. So, you know, this is such a tricky field because it's it's really, you know, when I first started doing this work, um, it was pretty new um, over 15 years ago. And it's still new. It's still a really new field. And equine therapy is sort of the layman's term that people tend to use to talk about this big overarching thing where we partner people and horses in some way to help people. That is what, that's the term that's kind of taken off a little bit. So where the, the term becomes problematic in numerous ways, one is that people who do actual therapy for the horse, like energy work or chiropractic work or like work for the actual horse, they also call that equine therapy. Uh, So there's confusion (laughs) about what we're talking about, right? Um, So then the other is it becomes this big blanket equine therapy term that people use. And, um, you know, I like to say equine assisted therapy means, right, that it is therapy by some type of a licensed professional right so that could be a mental health professional that could be an OT you know occupational therapist or a physical therapist and they are doing work they are doing work that's within their scope of practice that is assisted right by the horse and so the horse is a partner in that work so it's really important one of the things that's happened in this field right is that sometimes um, consumers think they're doing equine therapy but what they might be doing with somebody is coaching mm-hmm. right right life coaching, which is not therapy or, you know, what we call equine assisted learning, which is, um, you know, on the education and skills building. end, it's just important for consumers to have some language. So when there's this big blanket term, that's equine therapy, that basically means all of it, including a horse getting chiropractic care. (laughs) It's confusing. So we usually, for our blanket term, we try to use the word equine-assisted services. So That's the and underneath that falls therapy and learning. You know, coaching would fall under learning. therapy's all this other stuff. So I'm in the woods already. So ask me the no, next no, question. that's great.
0: No, I think that's really you're not in the woods at all. I mean, for me, you know, I could do this podcast just for myself and enjoy it. So you know, but I think for the average person, I think that's a huge. It's the same thing with just regular therapy, right? I mean, it's like. There are people who are counselors, but they're not trained in trauma or addiction or sexual addiction or specific things. And so people go thinking, oh, well, this LPC is going to be able to help me with my sexual addiction or with my trauma. And they're not because they're not trained in all those things. But they don't tell you that in your master's and they don't tell that to the consumer. And so people show up expecting one thing and getting another or even christian counseling you get a biblical counselor and you think oh well he's going to be this certain thing and, and you know you show up and that's not what it is so now i think that's extremely helpful it's helpful for me so that when we move forward using the right language um here you know can be clear in what we're doing because you're right i was saying that this morning i spent I told you that earlier i spent about four hours with horses this morning at um a location here in treeport with amanda the new therapist that i hired to help do natural lifemanship that's done part one with you and going to finish it up this year and next year and um, and so we were talking about the same thing, like doing a group therapy, ELA or whatever we're, you know, doing through this grant, it's not the same thing as therapy. And so we were talking to the head of the program this morning just saying, look, you know, if we're doing therapy, that's a totally different thing than just having a group of people come and engage with the horses and watch them and write about them and learn about them. If we're doing therapy, yeah. like we're taking through attachment, we're going through trauma, we're, we're doing a specific thing. And so you're right. that's a great perspective. Because that is what happens. if somebody's like equine therapy? Oh well, and there's a couple in Sleepport that do equine therapy, but it's not therapy. You know, it's psychoeducation or it's whatever. And, but yeah, so yeah, I appreciate you clarifying that.
1: Yeah, I'm super. I'm super passionate about what we are doing for the for the consumers, right? Yeah, it, that's great. And and, the, and one of the things we talk about within our organization all the time is scope of practice Mm -hmm. right what is your what is your scope of practice and in natural lifemanship what we're helping people do well we do lots of things but one of the things we're helping people do is um how do they incorporate horses into their scope of practice so they might be an energy practitioner of some sort right where they've been doing lots of um more alternative healing practices and they can incorporate natural lifemanship into that that's different than being a certified coach mm-hmm. and incorporating horses. That, right. Or um, I know a lot of people are doing amazing groups. Like you're talking about these EAL groups, equine assisted learning groups for schools and things like that. It's powerful. It's not therapy is not better. It's different. right? Absolutely. Yes. Different yeah.
0: That's a great yeah. perspective. Yeah. It's just a different tool, you know, to treat the same problem. And I, and, and I love that, but yeah, it's what you're talking about and what we're here to talk, 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 about today is specific to therapy. You know in mental health mm-hmm. now we can talk about all of it but my point is is that I think I appreciate you making that caveat so people who are listening know like what I'm trying to do and what you're doing is getting people to come in who have trauma who have addiction who have attachment issues partnering with the horse to work together to find healing to find restoration to you know yes. work on those things that's good so what yeah. tell me about you what kind of what made you become a counselor and then what led you into kind of equine therapy being a the thing it's like you said it's new and there's not a lot of it there's zero percent of it around here so there's a lot of horse Mm -hmm. stuff like you said but not any real therapy
1: yeah um and again as much as you want to tell um, me you
0: know as much as you want to share oh
1: my gosh i know i start to go oh why did i become so um you know when i decided to become a therapist i was at the time I was um, working for working for an organization that served teens and young mothers and I had all these certifications I was to be a doula a childbirth educator uh, I, you know did breastfeeding consultant I did lots of these things and I worked with um, mostly low-income pregnant teens and young mothers um, and mostly people who these um, young ladies were Often had addictions and domestic violence and all of this. Mm-hmm. That's lots what I of was trauma. doing. Yeah, lots of trauma. And um, I mean, I will I will say that 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 job helped me with the little faith crisis I had while I was at seminary. <laughs> and I moved, took a little break for a while. And
0: where'd and you go to seminary?
1: And um, Denver Seminary.
0: Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Is
1: that
0: yeah. where you, is that where you got your master's?
1: It is where I got my master's. Okay. Yes. So I was in Colorado for about five years. And, um, you know, it was through that experience that I decided to go back and get my master's in, in counseling. And I had not heard of equine assisted psychotherapy at that time. And, and equine assisted psychotherapy is the term our organization even has used for a long time. We are in the process of changing it to equine assisted therapy (laughs) (laughs) to include the occupational therapists and the physical therapists and you know, all the people Yeah, we're this new field, right? We're just shifting.
0: Get the psycho out.
1: uh, We're getting the psycho out. Bringing in the, but it, our language has been EAP forever and yeah. we need to switch to EAT. We're in the, I got a blog we're releasing in a couple weeks to talk about, about this. Nice. So, and all the changes. So um, anyway, I really, what happened is that I started, I went to a little demonstration of one a model that is has been around for a long time that people have heard of called EGALA. They're one of our main competitors. They've been around forever um forever long time since about i think around 2000 or 2001 my first exposure to them was in 2001 and that's where i learned oh my word like you can partner <laughs> people and horses and i had a lifetime of experience with horses i did have lots of exposure to therapeutic riding my youngest sister's down syndrome okay and they had a therapeutic riding program at her school in florida and so I, for my first exposure to this thing, this field really was as a teenager there. So the whole bringing the mental health stuff with also this, um, the horses is, was like, you know, the heavens hit a line. People feel this way all the time in the field. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, yes, I can bring these together. Yes. And so I can concur. that was my first <laughs> uh uh-huh. So that was my first exposure. And actually what you hear from most people is, oh my gosh, like it's this perfect marriage. I'll hear those those exact words. It's perfect marriage. And I began learning really early on. I have some pretty poignant memories of moments where I was like, "Mm, this isn't necessarily a perfect marriage. Like, you know, the way we've been interacting with horses for the history of like mankind, humankind, whatever you want to call it is not trauma-informed, and Mm -hmm. it's not like a healthy relationship, you know, there's lots of uh, power, domination, and control in the horse and human world, in fact, we just finished going through the Olympics, and saw lots of this, right, it runs deep, and so um, that was the very beginnings of me starting to, and I was working with women who were coming out of domestic violence with the horses Mm -hmm. and i remember the first time that i had this little moment like whoa wait a minute is i was in a group i was just shadowing just learning and um the facilitator was talking a lot about the alpha mare and how to like be the alpha mare to be you know kind of i think the word used was assertive (laughs) at the time (laughs) i was like you know alpha mares a little aggressive sometimes and i you know i started thinking about is this really the other end of the spectrum, is that what we want to be teaching in domestic violence? It was a moment. That's one of those little mm, like I started questioning. And then I needed to find an internship site. And um, at the t- at this time, I mean, there was hardly anywhere you could go to get all of your hours um, to do your intern hours pre-grad. And so um, I had read an article in the Western Horseman about a program at Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, which is in North Texas, which is where I grew up until the age of 13. Okay. Um, and I'd read this article about this equine equine therapy is probably what they called it <laughs> but this equine assisted therapy program there um, that was run by a man named Tim joke I reached out I stalked people practically and forced him to let me do an internship there and um, that's when I met my husband who had been you know it's, it's always interesting to talk about the history of this model um, with the, my husband had already been doing this work for at that point, I don't know, 25 years. So I went and did an internship there at Cal Farley's and that is where I met Tim. And years later, we, it's a long story. I won't share that one, but we did get married. And that's <laughs> so was and Tim we, doing so we,
0: what type of therapy was Tim he, doing?
1: Tim was, it was psychotherapy. So, um, oh gosh, in 1986 is when he first, started he had this um he had started started working at another boys ranch um west texas boys ranch in 1986 and he was starting to shift the way he worked with horses he has a very long story about this process of um really moving from power domination and control into more relational ways of working with horses Mm -hmm. this was back before there was like a horse clinician on every corner you know and he was figuring it out and he started uh, Part of what brought that change on was that he had all these really, quote, well trained horses that he'd been showing in the quarter horse world, and none of the kids at this boys' ranch could ride them.
2: Mm. And what
1: he always says is they couldn't ride them because they couldn't intimidate them enough. That's what I'd been doing, you know? And, and so, since these horses hadn't learned to do the right thing because it was the right thing to do, my kids couldn't ride them. And so, he started shifting the way he worked and started. The, the long story is the short of the long story is he started figuring out how to teach horses to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm.
0: Right? That speaks so clearly so, to, you know, scripture and behavior modification. And, you know, obviously everything we've talked about that I'm against is, you know, behavior modification and not working on the heart and not getting to the root, you know, causes of things. And I think the gospel speak to that, that, you know, it's not so much about our behavior that it's about our heart. And yeah, you can hit a kid or yell at a kid and get them to, you know, be obedient, but they're not doing it for the right reason. So it's not going to you know, work in a healthy way long-term. So that's beautiful. Yeah.
1: They're doing the right thing because they're afraid not to. Right.
0: And, and that's and we, we, right. We don't want that relationship with God. We don't want to look at God and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Or, or God's going to be mad at me. We want to say, you know, I'm doing this because God loves me.
1: Yeah. Because I love him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And cause I, I want to please him. Yeah. And good. this is, and this is, um, actually so I just got goosebumps. <laughs> My little goosebumps. This is such an important thing to me. Um, Because the the big moment for me, and it's a, you know, Tim spent years finding out what works, right? He spent years this, like, how do we, because what happened at one point was he was teaching these kids this way to interact with the horses that was different. And he said, he always says, you know, they did great out at the horse barn. I mean, every horse person's experienced this, like the kids are doing great out here. And then why are they still like, you know, stinking it up in the rest of their world? (laughs) What's the deal? Why is it not transferring? Mm -hmm. And so he started really working on how do we transfer it? How do we transfer the success have here to the place? And he, um, the organization he worked for let him hire a couple interns there, a couple therapists and interns, he partnered with them. And they started doing some study to figure out, you know, getting intentional about this way we work with the kids in the course program. So that was really the beginning. And what we, what I often say is, you know, Tim spent, had already spent 30, 25 years or something at that point, figuring out what, what works. And when I came in the picture, and this is my style, I started being like, okay, but like, why, <laughs> why does it work? Right. And man, we had so much fun and we still do. We just, we spent time. the the place where we found the biggest why that really helped us understand why what we do works, the science behind it, you know, was the trauma field. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, nowadays it's not just the trauma field, they're all merging, but it was really when we started to understand the neurobiology of trauma, right? What happens in the brain and the body. And we would sit in trainings at the time we were training with Dr. Bruce Perry and we would sit in trainings and just pass notes like, Oh my gosh, that's why, this thing's working and that's what this is. And, you know, just the, the understanding the bottom-up regulation of the brain and mm-hmm. the way the brain develops and neuro and what that does to the body. And, and, um, really the trauma informed field, you'd mentioned attachment, because it's a huge piece of what we teach nowadays, Yeah, <laughs> you know, 50 years later, but you can't really start to understand the neurobiology of human brain development and trauma without then doing this with the, you know, the intertwined piece of the attachment world. So anyway, so. No, that's really helpful. um, I mean, I think
0: our listeners, you know, we have the listeners that listen to our podcast. I mean, they hear me go on and on on all of our topics, whatever it is about being trauma and and we've kind of switched it to trauma responsive instead of trauma informed. So we don't want people to just have information. We want them to respond with it and do something with it. And so, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of trauma informed care, you know, trauma informed policing, trauma informed judges. And, but it's like, if it's not enough just to be informed, you have to respond, you have to use the information in your field correctly, which I think you, you know, you guys do beautifully. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying. It's so it's such a cool picture because I mean, 1986, you know, I mean, it wasn't 1984 that we had PTSD in the DSM. So what, I mean, it's like right in the, in the merge of trauma, even being a thing that we're thinking about is your husband kind of going, okay, what well, this is not working. You know, why is this not working? You know, and then you, I'm sure parallel process at the same time. And that's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's a cool story. Well, When we, I, you were mentioning something about a relationship with God, which is what, the, the moment that it was a when I first started um, working with Tim, some actually he wouldn't work with me at first, he has his reasons, whatever. I <laughs> he wouldn't even work with me, and I said, That's fine, so you don't have to do sessions with me or whatever. But you, I need you to teach me how to train a horse. I had not, I'd grown up around horses, but we didn't have a clue how to actually train one. Right. And I knew I knew deep in my soul that this work is all about all about the connection between horse and human. I knew it and I needed to understand that. And so um, he started he started teaching me. He, he let me partner. He let me pick a horse to work with. I picked a little filly who had She was two, had never been around humans. She was not interested in me (laughs) at all at first. He let me partner with her. But he started showing me really the way this relationship is built, which is still the found. We've grown a lot since then, but that is still the foundation for everything we teach, which is about these very basics of building connection through closeness and through distance with the horses Mm -hmm. and with people. It's all about attachment. And so we talk about connection through attachment and detachment. That's our language. But um, I was watching one day, um, watching him work with a horse. And um, it's one of those moments, like I remember what the day looked like, where I was standing. I remember the whole thing. And it occurred to me that what Tim was asking this horse to do was exactly what God asks us to do. Mm. You know, Can can you stop? put both eyes on me and follow me because you want to not one eye (laughs) both eyes and then you got to move you got to move your feet (laughs) and if and if you don't i'm going to still be here but you know that there will be pressure i'm I'm gonna you know if you ignore me i'm gonna stay with it stay in this with you and i'm gonna increase the pressure a little bit if you're being resisting that's okay i'm still here I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> but it's not going to meet your needs. <laughs> like it was such a powerful moment for me. And it was when I went, yeah, this way of building a relationship right here is what we all need to learn how to do with ourselves, with our God, with others, period. Like this is a universal truth that's happening here in front of my face. Yeah. Um,
0: that's so good. You're you're so right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's how I felt, you know, doing the therapy is it just brought me a whole new clarity um, on a deep level of like, I really, really stink at asking for what I need. And then sometimes like feeling that I deserve it, you know? And I remember standing there with the horse and being like, okay, I'm going to get this thing to come to me. Like, it's not going to come to me. Like it doesn't want to, it doesn't care about me. Like I don't really care about that, you know? And you go through all those emotions and it's so deeply connected to your family and God and attachment and, and, you know, asking for what you need, making reasonable requests, you know, all the things, you know, but man, it, it, And then it just opened my eyes. I feel like I became such a better therapist even in the last couple of years just from doing the work, you know, just with people who have trauma and who are in fight or flight. And it's like, I knew all that information and I felt, you know, equipped to do it, but it just kind of put another level. And, you know, of course, my clients would never know that I did equine therapy, but for me, that authenticity that you bring from doing that work is just such a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually, you just described the way our attachment wounding
2: mm-hmm.
1: another way to say that is our own early childhood trauma intrauterine trauma even right you just described the way one of the ways right that it starts to show up
2: mm-hmm. when we
1: interact with horses part of what's so powerful is that you know we're when we talk about attachment winding we're talking about something that's so pre-verbal right and and people will go and it's something that starts to i mean we we know now it's it's like six months to a year that that our attachment styles have kind of set in Mm -hmm. right before there's any hardly any talking even right and so attachment wounding and trauma is all on an it's all on a nervous system level it's all deeply held in our bodies it's not something that's cognitive and the power in the work with the horses is that I start to build a relationship. I make a request. It's what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I make a request for my need, right? And I may, and, and that's the, you know, that's your basic attachment cycle, right? I make a request as a baby and my need is met or not what's happening in the meeting of that need determines everything about our attachment style. Right. And so we learn in the first six months of life really, uh do i you know i either stop having needs (laughs) i Mm. just dissociate from those needs altogether or i um start getting even bigger about my needs right and get that whole enmeshed and entangled and i start to never let anybody soothe me because if you if i if you soothe me you leave right there's all that stuff that happens for six months (laughs) and so um what i think's un for me anyway, with the power in my own the healing of my own attachment wounds that I'm still working on and my clients, um, is that it's, I don't get to figure out some sort of verbal thing. You know, I, it's not about what you said, saying it right, some sort of script, right? You, you know, one of the things that I say all the time is horses require that we actually are calm, not that we pretend it to be calm.
0: Oh man, that's you know? so true too. <laughs>
1: So true, right? I mean, you know, I, I, um, we just had a sweet, sweet webinar last night where some of our students showed up and asked questions. I mean, answered questions of participants on the webinar. And one person said it this way, and I'm going to steal it. She said, you know, I came into natural lifemanship because I so resonated with the principles they teach. And we are, we scream from the mountaintops that we're a principle based model, not yeah. techniques or activities, right? right? And she said i resonated with the principles i felt like this is what i've already believed this is what i do you know mm-hmm. and she said but what natural lifemanship does is it helps you move from resonating with the principles to embodying the
0: principles mm-hmm. I was
1: like, whoa i'm so stealing that it's
0: so good <laughs> well, Yeah, I mean, she's talking about integrating yeah. right i mean you're yeah. integrating your past we were talking about this week you know Afgan- i went to afghanistan and then i was in the superdome hurricane katrina and, you know, Afghanistan blew up and then Katrina happened and Ida here in Louisiana, you know, we had all that in the same, like two weeks. So I had some people, you know, calling me and asking me, how are you? Are you triggered? Are you upset? You know, not therapist, of course, in my office, really, how are you? You know, all the, all the, my, all my people who understand it. And I was like, you know, honestly, I was pretty good because I feel like I've every day I'm getting to use that, those ashes for beauty. And so I've integrated meaning into that horrible stuff. And so it doesn't, have as much of a weight even when it comes up you know it may you know it may have a moment where it's kind of triggering or upsetting but because i've made meaning out of it and i think that's what natural lifemanship does with the connection with the horses you, you're i mean even this morning i was out there for four hours and we did an observation and uh one of the guys that was with us was standing and the, these two horse connected and So there's like four horses standing there and then there's another one standing over to the right and she was like you know you can interact with the horses now if you want to and so i went up and petted a couple and i went and reached out to this one uh darker colored horse and i you know he let me touch him and then he just back you know kind of started backing up and i was like okay he doesn't want to connect or whatever and then i saw this white one over to the side so it was by itself and so i walked over and you know connected and uh and i wasn't thinking because i was already kind of in the zone And I hadn't done this in a year. So I haven't been around, you know, like I haven't even tried any of the the stuff. And and so I just aimed at its rump and like, you know, said, hey, and connected and kind of, you know, and snapped. And he just started following me. And then he was walking around these little cones. And I was just before I knew it, you know, I was like, you know, connected. And and it was just such a weird thing to go, man, when I was doing the therapy for eight sessions, because I was so worried about what the therapist thought and, and what I needed and what I didn't need. You know, I didn't have any integration. And so it was cool this morning, you know, I knew I was coming to talk to you so I could talk about it and have an experience that I didn't plan, but it was just like, Oh man, this works and it sticks. You know, it's like trauma therapy. You do the EMDR, you do that work. And it's not that you just do it for a moment and then it goes away. It integrates into your life and your relationships, you know? So anyway.
1: Yeah. It sticks because it's, it's about a way of being. Mm -hmm. That's why we stick to the principle based thing. Right. Because it isn't about a bunch of tasks or a bunch of techniques or about doing things. Yep. We teach some techniques to help people get to
0: well, obviously, yeah. the
1: nuance. Right. To help people get to the nuance. But, you know, if and, and, and occasionally oh, that can be a scary. Sometimes that's scary for people because, you know, I remember as a newer therapist that you know, I went into sessions with some activities planned. I mean, you know, I, I like to have some good little art therapy, something, or, you know, yep. something to plan and, and there's some safety in the control, you know, the steps. <laughs> yep. The control, <laughs> the control and that's the, our whole model is based off of how do we move from power domination and control, which is what helps us to feel safe. And it's also what's traumatized many of us. How do we move from that into connection and attunement and this sort of deep resonance that happens between people right and this is where really interpersonal neurobiology starts to come into it's where so many of these different modalities all start to intersect yeah you know it's about the ways that our bodies are made to be you know entrained and you know biologically entrained there's this rhythm that's happening throughout the whole world um you know just I would I was watching just some stuff about the way trees, even trees communicate, right. There's mm-hmm. a rhythm that happens in our world. Um, and we, we get to take part in that in a different way. I think with horses and this, the dance that can start to happen if we have adequate training about how to guide a process
0: mm-hmm. people yeah.
1: based off their goals, of course, <laughs> you know?
0: No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think in Genesis chapter three, uh, well before chapter three, It talks about when god created man he made him in our image in our image he created them um and it talks about him creating adam so there's already writing within god this trinitarian connection you know um reciprocating self and then he creates at adam and it says we created them and so then he instead of creating eve out of the dust he creates pulls eve from adam and he says i'm doing this because it's not good for man to be alone and, and uh, it hit me a, a, about a year ago, I was doing a sermon and I was writing about this and I was like, oh man, like we were meant to be connected before sin. Like it was not good for us to be along before brokenness and sin entered into the world. So it's, it is that we can have a relationship with God like this, but we also have a relationship with God with each other, you know, with the Holy Spirit, with the image bearers of Christ um and so and that's not because of sin it's not like oh sin entered the world now we need each other we only needed god before we've always needed each other so i think you're right on it's like it's the beauty and i think where the horse comes in is man it it teaches us to do that without the trauma of another person when so many times god or religion or a person has hurt us and so now that's our attachment wound that's our problem and the horse is such a great buffer i guess um to that process of, if that's accurate i don't know i'm just shooting in the dark
1: <laughs> i almost need like a i'm gonna pause for just a minute yeah i you know i get goosebumps that's just my thing but i as you were talking i was like yes right at our most basic level we're made for connection that is the most basic thing and when we start coming into this deep resonance. I use that word sometimes because it gets me more in my body, right? Like mm-hmm. that deep resonance with each other. We're doing exactly what we're, we were created for. Yes. Right. Before, we're doing exactly what we were created. For.
0: Yeah. So we get a little touch of Shalom. We get a little touch of the kingdom. We get a little touch of, you know, how God intended it to be before all hell broke loose. It makes me emotional you know, you know, it makes me want to cry a little bit just because that's but in and in, in the work with the horse like that's what i felt you know is that deep authenticity and connection and vulnerability that now I've transitioned into you know people um but i you know for me just i could outthink it in therapy and i've been into tw- therapy for almost twenty years doing talk therapy and it was great and the mdr was great and and it's super important tool and and not to minimize but for me it was just such a a rich, uh, level of depth that I got to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's one of our most, one of our very most basic principles in the work we do is it is holding a deep understanding that the relationship is the vehicle for change. It is like, it is not about a technique or an activity. It is not right. So this is, we're talking, I'm going to say, I'm going to get to your thing about the horse for in just a second.
0: No, you're good. I love it.
1: But it, Right? Like you said a minute ago that doing this work has with the horses has also changed you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I say all the time, you are your greatest tool. I know as a mother, as a parent, right, that my greatest tool is my own nervous system.
0: Yeah,
1: the embodiment of that is a different, you know. <laughs> Two <laughs> nights ago, you'd have been in my house with my kids and you're like, Do you really believe that, Bettina? Because yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, but what i know is that and what i and what i have learned in my experience and and which is why it's been so important to do this with my clients right is that the horses are what has helped me start to find this stuff in my body mm-hmm. how do i like in, deep in my cells right offer the kind of relationship that god wanted us to offer and that is the place where healing happens in its relationship is place that has to happen and so you know people will ask about wanting to have kind of games or activities or something and i'm like you can do those but are you still thinking about co-regulation and attachment and relationship and what are how are you as the therapist showing up and how are you really guiding your clients into that kind of relationship because depending how you interact with the horse you can it inadvertently be got teaching your clients about power domination and control hmm I grew up in a world where that's totally what I learned. I mean, that's what I was, I was told all the time. You need to be your horse's leader. You need to be the one in control. You, you know, I did as a teenager to horses who I love very much. I did some pretty nasty things to them at times because I didn't know what else to do right. No they taught me. And just like we parents do, right? If we haven't been taught something different. And so the way that the relationship with the horse is navigated and taught requires, it's a steep learning curve for most people it's typically a steeper learning curve for people who have any history with horses. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more, um, sort of muscle memory to undo.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, I would say it's kind of like people who have been in the church their whole life and, you know, in extremely right or left wing, you know, hyper-religious stuff. And then having to kind of unlearn, they get in therapy with me and we're talking and it's like, well, we got to deconstruct a lot of what you think to be true because it it ain't, you know? (laughs) So you're right. It's much harder when you know something, when you've learned really bad habits than having a blank slate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things I think you had said a minute ago, well, let me back. I'll just, let me say, yes, absolutely. We don't ever have a blank slate when it comes to relationship.
0: Nope.
1: This is the tricky thing, right? So when we have less experience with horses, we do come in with more of a blank slate. And this is what you were hitting on a minute ago where you're saying, well, so we don't have so much history. And so there's not so much of this, the, the pathways form mm-hmm. around trauma. So, you know, so many people struggle to connect in human relationships because it was in my most connected relationship that abuse occurred. Yeah. Right. Common, that that's the case. So what happens is they don't have that same pathway with horses or other animals. Mm-hmm, dogs. Right? So that's why, I, I that's why there's cat
0: ladies, right? <laughs>
1: that's right right. so you know we in fact in natural lifemanship it's principle based so you know we're using these principles in all of our relationships not everybody always says it's just mammalian i'm like not even just mammalian right because i guess chickens are not mammals and i this works with chickens (laughs) so you know all the animals so um but the mammalian nervous system is so similar so we're talking about that a lot of times but, so it does provide, it kind of provides this space where people don't feel oftentimes the same, maybe, right? The same um, triggers or fear mm-hmm. around connection or relationship with a horse initially. What I will say, and because I've, I've heard this said in the field a lot, it's almost a, in some ways it's a little bit of a myth because um, my experience with clients has been that if they're deeply triggered by relationship period connection that oftentimes when they experience that they have this moment of like genuine somatic body-based connection with a horse which is what we're guiding them through right and the horse is you know on the on the same it's doing that with them right it's not a dissociated horse not an appeasing horse but this horse is connected to there's something that happens right in that moment I've seen people be really triggered by that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: I, I have the moment by, but, but it's cause, and then it almost sort of surprises them because the horse <laughs> helped them helped them get there. And then they got there and there is sort of an, Oh crap moment a little. Yeah. Cause that it feels like
0: happen. a little bit like a violation, right? It's like you, I trusted you and you, you know, and this is the first time I felt safe and now I don't. Yeah, no, I, that's I why I said buffer. You know, I feel like it's not a, a it's not a, uh, I don't know what the better word would be like, it's not a stopping thing. It's not like a barrier. It's, it's just a buffer. Like you, you start out getting there, but yeah, when you're feeling the the attachment, like I can say from my own experience, like it definitely didn't feel good to feel rejected or it didn't feel good to feel, but it was, it started off being a little easier in getting me to do it because it wasn't, you know, another person that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I once, um, saw a client for a while. This is just a really beautiful example of it where, and this happened a lot, but she's she's the person I'm thinking of right now. And, and she built this and it took a lot of work. We did all kinds of things to, we were integrating music and drumming and we we're doing all kinds of fun stuff to get her there. But she got to this moment, this beautiful moment where she was with a, working with this horse where they were coming into connection together. And you'll know a little what I'm talking about since you've done some of this work, natural lifemanship work, but the horse, would would follow with her and the horse would stop for a minute and she would need to re-engage and ask again and she'd have to feel that moment of of feeling maybe a little rejected or a little sad but staying with a request and her assertiveness there's a lot of her attachment stuff we'd worked on in that but they had one of these like the equine professional and i were outside the pen watching at this time we were outside the pen and we were like this is Uh, the beautiful moment, right? Like this is, this is that we're standing on sacred ground right now Mm -hmm. because connections happening. This deep body somatic connection is happening between both of them. And, um, and that connection, right. She, she felt the client felt that right. And I asked her, tell me what that was like. Right. And of course she's usually really great with words and she says nice (laughs) so there's my first sign i was like okay (laughs) you know nice in what way and um what happened for her and this has happened for lots of clients right what happened for her was that that level of connection with that horse her horse moved in just a little as i was asking her her horse kind of moved in just a little and kind of did the whole you know would you pet me would Uh you touch me would you touch me? And she was like, yeah, because we're doing great here, right? And my, that horse didn't ask inappropriately and she touched. But that then brought images of touch
2: mm-hmm.
1: and other relationships where there was a lot of connection and then it became very unsafe, right? There was a big, she had a big history of where connection became very unsafe. And so, you know, I always tell people that when we really help people sense into what that connection feels like in their body, the reality for many of us who've experienced trauma Connection's connection. Mm -hmm. And for so many of us, connection was, is, is where then the trauma happened, especially if there was sexual trauma Um, and things like incest. Right. And so um, anyway, yes, I think you're right. There's a word, something like a buffer. There's a, it's a buffer. And then there's a, there's a lot of vulnerability in that. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're, we're artfully guiding, you know, in the process.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, you nailed it. That's my experience for sure. And I mean, I think uh, what I want to bring to our, our area and and our practice and and for people is, is that Avenue to be able to say, okay, we've done some talk you know, I kind of think about it two ways. Like either the person's straight, straight off the street and they're like, Hey, I heard you do equine therapy. I want to do this or equine assisted therapy. Um, And so they, they get into it and we just start fresh or it's somebody that I've been seeing for years and I'm like, Hey. I think this would be great to break through this issue and let's do, you know, some sessions. And obviously I'll look to your guidance for that on how to, how to incorporate all that. But it, it just, man, there's just something beautiful about it that you, and I I think with where we're at, and you can tell me what you think about this, but with where we're at in technology, you know, a lot of what I'm doing with our practice is planning for the next five to 10 to 20 years. You know, I mean, I, I hope to be practicing for a couple more decades and, With the in the last five years, I would say the amount of disconnection that people are feeling like everybody already had attachment issues and problems right in 1986 when your husband was trying to figure this out. And then when you figured this out and now we enter the cell phone and technology and, and, you know, the pros of we can do zoom like this, but the cons are just so extreme. I read somewhere last week, um, maybe it's Wall Street Journal article, but it it was the average American spends 16.3 hours a day on a screen and only five hours a week with face to face with their kid. And so, you know, the attack, like, how are you going to attach? How are you going to connect? How are you going to with God, with people? And so I feel like, you know, bringing this to our area and doing this, you know, partnership with you guys and and learning from you, you know, it gives people an avenue that they don't even know that they need and they want, which is being outside, connecting with an animal, you know, doing the work like, um, you know, and it, it, you know, therapy is great. Regular, you know, talk therapy, but I think where this gives an avenue is it's touching on something that's going to be desperately needed in the next decade or so, because we're moving so far from staying connected. Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I often say that we have very intentionally set up a model to address a major issue in our society. And that issue is (laughs) disconnection from self, from others, from our environment, from our God. Yeah. I mean, it is we are we are disconnected. Yeah, And and at our you just said it a minute ago, at our absolute most basic cellular level, we're made for connection. Mm-hmm. So disconnection, and people say oh, it's disconnection, like it's I don't know. Like what's the word we can use that like really brings the gravity of the situation we're talking about here? Because it's where cut off. You know, almost every yes every oh, yes
0: we're cut off and that's you know, like and, disconnection doesn't sound as bad right it's like oh well i just disconnected i just checked out i just took a break and that sounds like self care but cut off right if you're disconnected from god it might not sound that bad but if you're cut off from god and and not that you can be that's the goodness of our god is that he's still there like you said but you, the the you cutting off right the the horse or you removing yourself from the horse you're not going to get anything out of that relationship The relationship's still there. The horse still wants to connect. But if you don't, if you cut off, like you're, you're not getting anything and they're not moving to you. They're going to move away from you. You know, like I've experienced that. And, and that's not, you think, you know, connection's a bad feeling. Cut off is a horrible feeling. That's right.
1: Well, and this, our nervous system can't handle it. Our body can't, we can't, we can't survive like that. And we're not. We're not. And this this is the, this, I mean, this goes all the way back to like this studies with the wire monkeys on
2: attachment (laughs) attachment
1: stuff. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, we know about this. This isn't news. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we, um, it's, you know, one of the things that we often talk we're oversimplifying in our model all the time as you do more learning with us you'll see that you'll be like yep that's we oversimplify to teach but one of the things we say all the time is just about every mental health issue out there comes back to being cut off it's it's relationship with self others the environment your god i mean it's coming back to that almost every one of them Mm -hmm. it's about how's how you are in relationship with yourself and others
0: yeah. We were talking about it last night at dinner. We were, uh, I have uh, Amanda Cruz and I can't mention the other person, but two people we went to dinner for that are talking about coming on and doing equine therapy and getting trained and, and trying to figure out how we're going to do this as a part of our practice and how big it's going to get and what we want to do with it. And, um, and I was telling their newer they're horse people, but you know, it's like, we're kind of trying to merge the two worlds. I'm like, teach me more about horses. They're like, teach me more about trauma. And, and so, you know, I was saying, yeah, we were staffing a couple of cases and they were overwhelmed with the information and I was like well listen just you know simplify it you know that's all content it all comes down to and it's a restoration model term but a violation of love and trust a violation of my identity and my safety you know and that's going to cause pain which then causes trauma and and so I think it's cool without even like knowing what all the model is just from going through the therapy like it parallels with that what with what we use for trauma therapy so well and so I think that's what you bring to the table with natural lifemanship. That's so beautiful to me is that it's super trauma informed. And so you're not using the horse as a tool. You're not disconnected from your body. You're not forgetting about attachment and everything that works, you know, that's that works well is doing that. And so many, you know, so many things, people are still holding on to these old ideas of behavior modification and and teaching people rules and lists. And, and again, breathing techniques are great and, you know, strategies are great and you need them. But if you don't change your belief system, right, you just change your thinking, then you're, you know, in the next stressful situation, you're right back to whatever it is and you don't deserve that. You know, God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be free. And so, um, yeah anyway
1: well and you know we we need to what i thought of as you were just saying that right is that one of the reasons it's so hard to change a a belief system at times right is because we have to have practice
0: experience yeah
1: doing doing the thing we do once the belief system is changed right like we have have to form the neural pathway yeah, we've got a, and and so that's why the experiential modalities are so important, right? EMDR is a piece of that. We blend EMDR all the time, mm-hmm. um, and others too, somatic experiencing and things like that. We blend with our with the work we do. But I can list off all the modalities. But they, um, the thing is, is is the learning by doing and learning by being, right? Both of those things have to happen in the the experiential piece of this, right? And so. Um, I, you know, I always say that, especially, you know, I used to, it's been uh, about seven years since I really worked primarily with children. I used to say this with kids all the time, right? Like we can talk abstractly. What would you do? That's why behavior stuff's so hard, right? What would you do next time? Right. In this abstract situation, when the same situation happens, what would you do? And with the horses, it's like, well, what would you do right now?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like you're getting frustrated or you're feeling a little bit scared or things are not going exactly how you wanted them to go. So how would, what, what do we do right now? (laughs) And we're, we're, you know, we're forming the pathways.
0: Yeah. Cause you're, you're in the present with, the, you know, it's, you know, you're here in the moment and good therapy, right. Talk therapy is using in the moment. What's in the room. How are you, how are you making me feel? How am I making you feel? Where's the countertransference and God said, God says, you know, to Moses, I am right. He doesn't say I was, or I will be. He's, he's, I am because he's in the moment with you. He's present right here. And and we, you're you're right, when we get so far out of our bodies and out of the moment and we go looking for happiness, you know, and so we're either back in our trauma of sins that we've committed, brokenness that's happened, trauma that's happened, and we're stuck in that intrusive thoughts of thinking about it, or we're anxious and terrified of the future and how we're going to fail again, or what's going to happen to us again, or, you know, what's going to happen to our kids or our spouses in the future. And, you know, you get further and further away from happiness and contentment when you get further and further out of your body and out of the present. And, man, yeah, when you're right there and there's this 1,200-pound animal that, you know, you're having to connect with, it makes you – I mean, it doesn't force you, but it, there's a gentle connection to – if you're, especially if you're a person who's shown up, right? A person who's yeah. taking the time to come and say, I want help. I want to learn to connect. I want to do with this. Then, yeah, the opportunity is there for genuine connection. And, and, man, it's just such a great opportunity for healing.
1: Yeah, I'd invite you into this really powerful dance that I just haven't found anywhere else to practice, right? This, in the moment, whatever, the I, I've asked something, whatever the horse gives me, I respond to that. I don't respond to how I think they might respond respond in a minute or how they did a second ago, but none of that. And it's real clear that doesn't work. Like right. that becomes real. It, it becomes obvious. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with people either, <laughs>
2: but no, our it language doesn't.
1: allows, a, I think it might, you know, with the horse. I, I, because I'm a, I have a little trouble getting into the moment. Sometimes. I mean, I've had to work on this, right. We all do, but man, I'm kind of a little bit on that, that kind of driven. I can be anxious moving toward the future stuff all the time. And the place that I find the most, like the place that I find the most connection to my own body and to this moment is in a space with a horse where we're communicating moment by moment, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, um, and it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing process. It takes some work to get there though. Definitely. And we don't ever actually get it there, right? It's journey. It's a process.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. the side of heaven, it's not going to be, complete life's full of a little bit of good and a little bit of bad and there's nuance and nothing's perfect you know but we we strive to like you said be connected and I think it helps tell so explain a little bit um kind of why horses like what can you just talk about like the horse and why it's helpful like from their brain standpoint and you know herd animal and you know all that stuff
1: yes I can talk about that um okay why horses so there's so many ways to think about to think about this, what, and and I'm gonna, we tend to kind of buck the system a little bit about the why horses thing, good because there's lots of the there's some myths, in yeah. my opinion. So there are a, a few ways to think about this. So one of the things that I think is really important about the why horses thing is that the horse's brain
2: mm-hmm.
1: oftentimes will develop similarly, naturally to the way the traumatized brain develops. And when I say that, I mean that, you know, horses are the lower regions of their brain are going to be more developed. They're going to uh, maybe not be really disorganized like in trauma, but they're that this hypervigilance and dissociation is something that we see happening all the time with horses because they're prey animals. Okay. This is a, a prey animal trait. They're not only prey animals, though. So, what you'll hear in the field is you'll hear people talk about really kind of a lot about the prey animal thing and so that's where i go yes there's some truth to that Mm -hmm. and there's power in like our entire way of, of building relationship with the horse is to help build a more integrated brain help develop the neocortex by offering way more neocortex is the thinking part of the brain by by bringing significantly more choice by bringing choice, by bringing connection, by asking horses to need to think instead of appease or submit, right? Submission and appeasement is gonna happen in lower regions of the brain. That's a huge piece of our model. Um, But horses are also, they're herd animals, right? They are not just prey animals. So I always say, yes, they're prey animals. And there's a tiny myth because we put a lot of weight on that in the horse world sometimes. (laughs) We talk about it a lot, right? So the thing I'd say is they're herd animals. They are made to be in relationship. They are mammals. And so they have, they have a, they have a mammalian nervous system. That's very similar to our nervous system. Right? Right, you because, right to say something. Yeah.
0: Like I was it? just going to say if, because if they're only prey animals then they stay in that fight or flight and then they're, you know, they're or disassociation and they're not really connecting, but they want to connect, you know, they want to be in the herd. They want to do that together right it's almost like they want to uh, and, and you correct me if i'm wrong as i'm just speaking out of what my experience was just little um but they want to connect they want to be in the herd as they're being preyed upon so it's like they want to kind of do it together is that tracking that's
1: right yep. they cut they come together in relationship for safety
0: there we go yep perfect
1: and you know what we do too yeah right this is same thing so they they nurse their young there's attachment and bonding that happens between the mother and the baby they we know so much research now that horses and other animals have a limbic system they have emotions like we do they experience loss right there so horses are these these two things in ways that they're similar to us that's one of the reasons that i think that this is effective work i think this is effective work i touched on this a minute ago um because horses are nonverbal and, and and um oh i could go on and on so I, here's the next part though right it. so horses are nonverbal but also different than other animals so the main one of the biggest there's there's two things that are really different about horses than a lot of other animals that we often partner with now i'm going to I'm saying here in the States, I mean, people, other places partner with, you know, elephants and camels and I don't, we don't do, we don't do that much here, but there are places that do it. It's so interesting. So um, anyway, but horses are bigger. So people tend to go into that relationship with a little more understanding that maybe a partnership would be good here. as opposed to so much <laughs> domination or pure nurture, right? You can hear me say, right, with dogs, there's a whole different ballgame that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, well, cause with, they'll step on uh, you ball.
0: and smash you. But they could
1: smash you, they kick you. They could, you know, there's, there's legit risk. I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of training in other like ropes courses and wilderness therapy and these kinds of things and uh, wilderness therapy, there's some legit risk there too. But you know, usually if you're doing low ropes or high ropes courses, it's perceived risk. It's kind of scary, but it's still perceived risk. Cause you're pretty safe mm-hmm. in and all that with horses. It's It's a legitimate risk. You know, um, it's why we always say safety is found in safe relationships. And that's why we build, we're building a safe relationship here with you, this horse, mm-hmm. because that's where the safety is going to be found. Right. So there's a size thing that happens. Um, with this size thing and horse thing, I'm only barely gonna touch on this. I do think there's something to be said about this sort of these archetypes. People have, a, there's there's a thing that happens when we go, get around horses. I mean, you know, every girl wanted a pony. <laughs> I just, there is something very, this majestic and powerful and the, the way that we, um, what this does to our soul, this archetype. There's something in that that I think is really powerful. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's different about horses than, than a, I mean, you know, so a, a, because of this archetype, we just sort of feel different working with a horse than we do with a rabbit. And I've had a I had a therapy rabbit, it was amazing actually. But it's just a little, it's different, <laughs> you know. The other piece that I think's huge. What was
0: your therapy rabbit's name?
1: Willow.
0: Willow, like from the movie Willow, or just. Did no, you name it? Oh, I, okay.
1: The reason was because she had floppy ears like a willow tree. Ah, That's how I came up with the name. I like it. Yeah. And there was a I had a client that helped me with that name. So you know, cool. he got to pick as well. That's awesome. So um yeah. <laughs> and and rabbits are powerful therapy animals. But there's still a difference in the what like what happens when clients show up there versus with a horse. Mm-hmm. Right. But the biggest difference between horses and other animals, the biggest is that we have a whole history of horses carrying us. Literally we Mm. ride them. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very big difference. It's also why I think, um, because when I get on the back of a horse, this is the most intimate vulnerable place I can be because I'm, I'm giving some of my safety to this horse. And I, I also think it's why we have such a long history. I could go into lots of the history of all this, but there's a long history of us controlling and dominating horses. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a part of that is because we're placing ourselves in this very vulnerable place on our back. And mm-hmm. when we feel unsafe, then we want to control, right? As human beings, this is a part of, this is natural for us, Yeah. right? Most of us don't have to learn that. I always say my children didn't have to learn to like sweets or salts or control everybody. (laughs) just, we, we kind of learned this.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back again, it goes back to the garden and you know, you can have a perfectly safe God. I always say this to parents, you know, that you don't have to be perfect, you know, and even if you were, our kids are going to be disobedient, you know, and they're going to turn out however they're going to turn out because we, we had, you know, Adam and Eve had a perfect parent and they still were disobedient they still use control they still use you know power to some degree um to get what they wanted and to you know uh determine their outcome and i think that's just an eight in us is that even if the horse is perfectly safe and and controlled and whatever you know it's our own internal stuff that gets in the way
1: yeah but horses is um one of the things i'm very passionate about in our model is that the mounted part of what we do right the part where we ride the horses yeah i never got now, to do that I'll you, well i'll tell you even in our trainings we there's such a deep foundation needed for that so that we're not hopping on the back of this horse and then we're just moving right on into power domination yeah. and control it's a process to get there but when with a horse a horse can connect we can connect with the one who's carrying us and that is at the core of attachment
2: mm. It's this so is good.
1: what we do when we're little, babies. this is what we do when we're babies, right? Our caregiver holds us and rocks us and carries us and connects with us. That's what happens. I have been in sessions with adults where I thought, you you know, we're in a moment. I'm like, oh, you just need your mama to hold you. Like you just mm-hmm. need to be rocked. Of course, I cannot do that. But the horse can. And it's powerful 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 when done when it's done appropriately at the right time it is powerful the way we can start telling very somatic body level reorganize attachment wounding
0: yeah right? I have not... it's not
1: about changing systems you know go ahead
0: no i was just going to say I, I hear that that's something i mean that that addresses the kind of idea of the buffer that i was talking about i didn't know i haven't thought about it like that until you just said that but that is where we're limited in therapy as people is there are so many times where I want to climb over on the couch and just put my arms around somebody and hug them or let them lay on my shoulder or connect on a, on a physical level, right? Appropriately, but it wouldn't be appropriate. So you don't do it. Um, where if you know a client needs that I could say, man, okay, next session, we're going to spend, you know, you hit this point. I'm like, next session, we're going to spend four or five sessions doing this. And you know, we're going to strategically try to hit this thing um and we're gonna guide
1: you, yeah we're going to guide you through this process of how you start to find an internal sense of connection while you're being rocked and carried and held i mean this is the gist of what we call bottom-up regulation in the yes. trauma world
0: so that's good where it
1: comes from this is the beginnings of attachment and it's and and not you know not done at the appropriate time you could see that that's actually triggering for people yeah right so I'll talk to people that are like, well, I did some mounted work and they start to describe to me what really happened. And I'm like, Yeah, you dissociated the whole time. Like that's that's not that's what that's why the the our attunement with our horses and our clients is so important. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and we have people that we have even trainers that work for us that do very little mounted work. So it's not a requirement in the model that we do, but it's probably my love. The yeah. the mounted work is the place where I'm like, I want to get there, you know. And then and then even kind of beyond even that that piece of it is that that's really what's at the foundation of the way we we bring together the horses and then emdr right and so we often talk about you know in emdr we we we're talking a lot about that bilateral um stimulation or dual attention stimulus we can Mm. do that with the horse i always say it's about the dual connection that's good the horse is moving my whole body Bilaterally, that rhythmic, patterned, repetitive movement that we talk about all the time in the trauma field—how important that is for our brain and our bodies.
2: Yep. The uh, horses
1: move, horse moves our body, right? We don't, we don't, you know. I've worked with people that were trying to get some rhythm, but they they can't find the rhythm in their body. That's okay, because the horse will give it to you, just like a mama or a daddy or mm-hmm. a caregiver of some sort, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I often say mama because I am one,
0: but no, I want to it. include all caregivers. Yeah. I've done a lot of rocking in my life, so I definitely uh, <laughs> I definitely can feel I that. Still,
1: I still always tell people the amount of rocking we need, you know, like I've still got carpal tunnel from my first child. It's <laughs> like, thing that happened, <laughs> you know, yeah. we it's a lot. And when somebody has, especially, I just had a conversation with one of our students the other day with a child who'd had severe neglect. And I'm like, we've got to get this kid to a place that we start getting in that rhythm that was lost. Mm-hmm. That. And not just the rhythm connecting with the one who carries us right and so that's where i always i always tell people hey if your horse is moving like you can find a horse that'll move around the outside of the pen and just move and the rhythm's great what that does for your body is great but there's no connection because your horse is totally checked out and on autopilot mm-hmm. i always tell people hey if your horse is offering what a rocking chair could offer then get a rocking chair right right that these, these horses can do on a really powerful level what a caregiver can do
0: yeah and i would say that's what as we're talking about it it's like that's another another reason why it's helpful is that it speeds the process up i'm not saying that it's a speedy process but i'm saying like emdr sometimes as a clinician and emdr for people listening eye movement desensitization reprocessing is a type of trauma training that you can help people with uh you know problems with memory problems with anxiety problems with current issues that are traced back to their early childhood trauma or moments that have happened that are overwhelming that they haven't processed. And so anyway, that's the short of it. But the point mm-hmm. is, is that, that EMDR can, it's not a, it's not an end all be all, but it does speed the process up sometimes where um, somebody's stuck and talk therapy not working. And so by going into the unconscious and working through some of that, like, Oh, I had this aha moment and I'm, you know, regulated and I processed. And, and I think that's where, uh, natural lifemanship can come in so so much it's like even if you've been in therapy for a long time like i have it can speed the process up or if you start there it can give you a really awesome jump start and then you go and do some talk therapy and really you know be able to take it to the next level so i, I think it works on both ends really really well
1: yeah it can work but both it can work so many different ways right yeah. it depends on you even mentioned that earlier right clients i've been seeing forever can i take them out and You know, everybody practices differently because our scope's different, right? But I, you know, I tend to just do a combination of the two. I'm Uh I'm usually doing what would look more like talk therapy. I mean, I have an experiential flair even to that, but it's in an office, right? And also with the horses. So we're sort of flowing in and out of the tube in a way that's really organic. Um, And some clients are... I mean, I, I'm, you know, recently met with somebody where, um, we are, we are theoretically doing equine assisted therapy, but we did a very long session that was out among the horses, but not in, you know, not with the horses because that's not what was appropriate for today. And so this is where people scope all the other training they've had and how they're blending that with the horses and, you know, doing what your client needs Yeah
0: yeah I've, i had um, sessions where i just literally we do you know I'd book three hours and then i'd go and talk for two and a half or two and then i would go just stand and put my arm around you know one of the horses' neck and just lean against them and regulate and just ground and just be there and you know they're such good co-regulators the energy that comes off of them is just incredible
1: yeah well and again right let's talk about attachment wounding. this is like you know what again, I know I'm putting all my stuff <laughs> Right well right, as a mother my greatest tool is my own nervous system right and how many of us aren't our, our little baby nervous system was developing maybe with with a mama that was disconnected or a mama that was anxious and you know what we talk about lots in this interpersonal neurobiology attachment trauma field right is that there's a lot of concrete science about what happens with our nervous systems you mm-hmm. know and and that's how important co-regulation is and you're right the horses now do all horses help with co-regulation no there's another myth right yeah. but a horse who is regulated who's got this great big heart the electromagnetic field of the horse's heart is bigger than ours mm-hmm. their heart rate is lower than ours and so there's some Legit science about what's happening with our own nervous system when we are next to a horse, mm-hmm. and our hearts start to come in rhythm together. It's it's amazing. It's not magic,
0: <laughs> sort of it's, the it's sort way of magic.
1: That our nervous <laughs> systems work. It feels like I was about to say it's magical because I just you know I used to totally be. We used to always say it's not it's not magic. It's not magic. And nowadays I'm like oh god, it's just, just go put with up it. twinkle light let's just have magic, you know, (laughs) but no, I mean, it's, there's some really amazing science behind that. And when, and the more I understand the science behind what I'm doing, which is a huge, a huge part of our model, um, the more I can understand that, the more I can be so intentional about the, you know, I can go, you know what, for this client, it's not that we went and stood by a horse and that was like the therapy, well, no, co-regulation was needed Mm -hmm. to begin reorganizing the nervous system around our attachment wounding. That's a reparative experience. Yeah, It's an important reparative experience to go. I have intense emotion and, you know, I'm just using a small example, right? But instead of when I have an intense emotion, someone told me to go away, regulate myself and come back when I'm happy, right? They said, no, let's stay here and I'm going to help you to regulate. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to offer my own regulated nervous system to you, and I'm going to help you regulate in this moment. That's a major reparative experience.
0: Oh man, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, and that speaks to what we know about epigenetics and the study of you know generational trauma and, and what we would say generational sin in, in a Christian perspective of, you know, you have a mom who has, or a dad who has all this trauma, who doesn't know how to regulate, who doesn't know how to attach, and then what we've learned because we've had a culture of just super traumatic you know people is that we're going to do time out we're going to spank we're going to do these things that puts the honest on the kid to to self-regulate right instead of teaching them to co-regulate yes eventually they need to learn to self-regulate and they need to learn to self-regulate when they're little but they do that through learning to co-regulate first and so you know doing a time in where you sit and you go i'm going to breathe with you and i'm going to connect with you and with my oldest, I would love to put my, you know, I still do it, but I, put his hands in my, his face in my hands, and I just, you know, breathe with me, buddy. Take a deep breath. Let's get some oxygen to your brain. You know, let you know, you, you know, feel better, Jude, this morning. Like you said, I mean, we don't always do it perfect. So jew was melting down because he stumped his toe and did something, and so he's laying on me, wallowing. And he knees me in the face, and you know, I'm trying to get him to breathe, and I'm just like, I'm not, to, I'm not regulated. <laughs> But, but you know, said,
1: just put on your shoes so we can go to school exactly like, <laughs> we have to
0: get out of the door i don't care that you broke your toe on whatever it was that you did we have to go like you should in my brain and i've said it you know it's like well well maybe you shouldn't do that it's like that's not a great yeah. not a great parenting advice for a four-year-old but yeah you're right like well, we just have this whole model of parenting of doing relationships as a bunch of traumatized people who you know don't have never been taught how to do anything different and i hope i mean even in this whether somebody ever you know does equine assisted therapy or not um they see that you know their problems their struggles their attachment issues like they're not uniquely broken you know they're not um unfixable that they they're not somebody to be fixed They're somebody to be connected with and healed and and they can do that through therapy through equine therapy um yeah. it's super helpful it's good stuff.
1: Yeah. And so it's, it's one of the reasons I probably should have said this right on up front is, is, you know, we really do. I mean, you know, our keystone is this equine assisted therapy and learning stuff. Right. Um, but we train a lot of people who are not doing anything with horses. We do a lot of that. We've worked in the school systems. Mm -hmm. We've worked with teachers. We've worked with corporations where we teach people about trauma and the brain. And we teach people about our how you know how do we start to come into our body and communicate right through with through our own energy level even right like how do we, we do that we learn that from horses we learn about trauma from horses i always say i mean i'm biased i'm like but natural lifemanship operationalizes what we call trauma-informed care right?
0: yeah no it does <laughs> We
1: give you information they talk about it and so um you know more and more and more even in our trainings right people who are not who are therapists or working in the healing profession some way they come to us for a transformative experience a journey to learn and to experience in their own body because it's like you said i it this changed who i am as a therapist even right but with even though currently you don't bring the horse in the office or anything because when you're when your body right is given what it needs in relationship and that co-regulation you learn how to ask for those kinds of things how to build this type of relationship it changes you Mm -hmm. and it changes what you can now offer to your children to your clients to your spouse all of those yeah very important
0: relationships JC and i laugh all the time because we'll take a deep breath and i'm like you know like uh she'll do that or i'll do it you know and yeah it's like you know, just a reminder for both. I'll hear doing it walking down the hall or I'll do it. And it's just kind of a general reminder of each other. Just like, okay, right. You know, regulate when I regulate, let's be on the same page. Let's, you know, and she got that from, you know, obviously her work with you, but, um, yeah, there's just these little things and, and those, those habits, those mindfulness, you know, mentalities, those, that those principles, you know, yeah, they, they can't, can't they transfer over. If I have a super anxious, anxious client in my office and they're freaking out and they're, you know, I'll i'll just kind of take a deep breath and i'll you know regulate myself and then you can feel them kind of start to regulate with you and you know um and of course i knew how to do that before doing the therapy but it just brings it to another level and that's why i'm excited to come out and do the training and like i mean number one i want to do the work but number two i just the more work i can do around that the more um Experiential therapy that I can do myself and be trained in. I, feel, I find that that's been the best therapy trainings that I've been to is where they immerse you and you have to do the work, you know. And I was meeting with a group of therapists a while back, and and one of you know one of them was saying, "Well, I've never been to therapy. I'm really nervous." And I'm like, oh, girl, you need to get in therapy because I don't know how any of us are. Do- how, how are so many clinicians not in therapy? You know, go to a CU training and you know half the class has never been to therapy themselves." And I'm like, "Ooh." Like, you got to go, you know, because if you can't, if you've never sat on the couch and, like, checked your watch or seen somebody yawn or seen a therapist, you know, whatever it is that they do, then you forget the power that you have sitting in that chair, you know. And, uh, and you know, I just, I would suggest highly that people do their own work and if they can get out there with you guys to do this training or, you yeah, know, talk about the immersion. I'll shut up. But so is them. Those-
1: uh, so what what, what- what we have is we have a lot of trainings. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People are always like, "But where do we start?" So, yeah, the let's place to go start there. Yeah. Are, the place to start is in our fundamentals training, and actually, it just so happens that registration is open for that right now. And there's numerous options, so people can look and see where's my commitment level, right, and decide which option they'd like to t- like to take. So we offer some different price points for that training. And in the fundamentals training, what we're giving people is a it's breadth. Right. We're going to cover trauma, a little bit of attachment, a little bit of interpersonal neurobiology, lots and lots and lots of conversation about, you know, one of our number one principles is that if it's not good for both, it's eventually not good for either. You know, true healing cannot happen at the expense of another and really thinking about the way that we partner with horses. So there's a, a huge human and horse psychology component of this training. That's right. Good. Um, And that's, that's the, that's the fundamentals. And we, and people start to, I would say in the fundamentals, you start to dip into your own stuff. (laughs) Cause you go, we've all had trauma. We've all had attachment stuff, right? So you start to dip into it there and it's an eight week program. And then after that, the next training is the intensive training, that's the NL intensive. And in that one, we are going way deeper into everything that we covered in the fundamentals. And one of the things we delve into much more deeply is our own, work. So it's not therapy, right? But it is, um, we do encourage people to do right. We encourage people to do the adult attachment interview. I know. It's not, it's wellness, we'll call it. Okay, yeah. Clint. <laughs> so but it's therapy. We're really <laughs> we're really encouraging people to, you know, if I don't understand my own attachment wounding, then it will show up mm-hmm. in my sessions with my clients because it's about how I relate. It's how I relate. And it's usually, it's a script about how I relate, right? That's totally unconscious. We we got to bring awareness to it and then start practicing that whole, how do we earn? That's what we call it in the attachment world, earning a secure attachment. We spend more time on that. We spend a lot more time um, going into, we do more technique, we do more, right? So that's stage two. And those are the two main trainings that are part of um certification mm-hmm. and then we have numerous other trainings um, that are that are going deeper right so we have a rhythmic writing training we have a relationship logic training that's with wild horses in california we that's the place to really like learn the principles you can't cheat that's right. <laughs> those guys those horses will really help you start to embody this stuff um, yeah
0: we were talking about we that last night involved. I was like I gotta get this training done by next spring so I can go do that by next fall <laughs> <laughs> I like I like having a goal like I I really want to do that so as long as I can get you know get this done in time So that's,
1: it's, it, it's that's a, a really amazing training oh I bet uh, I think the next one I mean we don't have a schedule yet but I think the next one's going to be in June next year yeah yeah just throw so you
0: know I gotta really rush
1: but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, So you better get with. It's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so the, um, we also have a personal immersion, um, which is really interesting to a lot of people because it's, it is only eight people. We usually have five facilitators there. Um, and it's, it is for you to show up and do your own work. You know, Mm -hmm. you do it part of the price is the adult attachment interview, which is a, a three hour process. You do that before you come. So you have some insight and then we continue to work through this together um kind of going back and how are we how are we starting to practice these secure attachment behaviors and what's that bringing up for you when that happens and those kinds of things so um i didn't give the full list of all the trainings no no that's
0: good no that's helpful i mean Mm -hmm. i think people can find i think that's the great thing about you guys is that you um it's very rare that i read something go to a training and i'm not like A little bit picking it apart, like, well, you're missing this, or you need to do that. And you know, with everything that I've gotten to see from what y'all do, I'm just like, oh my gosh! Even our conversation today, I'm like, oh, this is so my, you know, my jam. You know, Um, I felt the same way when I interviewed Dr. Mona Delahook. She she wrote a book called Beyond Behaviors, and it's it's you know about attachment. And um, and when we were talking, it was just like, oh yes, we're on the same page. We're thinking about, you know, it's such a cool place to be in the world of therapy to be dealing with this stuff and and to see where it's going to go in the next decade so but yeah so um if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're you, you're thinking about it um what what's the website
1: natural lifemanship.com
0: okay and I'll, I'll try to put that in the link um on our youtube page and and on the podcast so people can get to it yeah. and see And i mean and you spent a, a little bit of time last yeah. week or week before looking through it and so i can sign up and do all that kind of stuff um let's see what else we got um What would be, so, I mean, we covered all my questions. What, what would be like the best type of client? I guess, like if somebody's like, Mm -hmm. well, is this for me? Like what, I know you're going to say anybody, but you know, uh, what would you (laughs) tell people? I mean, I would say anybody too, but, um,
1: Oh, okay. Here's here. I can, I'm, I will say anybody, but I'll have lots more to say besides just that. So, you know, (sighs) this is like anything else. This modality is used within a person's scope of practice, right? So, Clint, you specialize in sexual addiction, for example. You would be able to integrate this work to work with somebody who is struggling with sexual addiction, right? So, There's often, this is a big myth in the field that if someone's sort of trained in, quote, equine therapy, since that's the word we use, right? If they're trained in that, they can just do that for anything. And that's really totally inaccurate, right? Uh And so this, I do believe this model of therapy can be utilized with just about anybody. Now, if somebody has a massive, like horse allergy, but I'm using natural lifemanship in the office with no horses present, you know? <laughs> so somebody who has a horse allergy, we're going to still be doing what I would call natural lifemanship, right? We do have people moving through certification that do natural lifemanship in an office setting mm-hmm. because they don't have access to horses yet, right? Yeah. But mostly we're talking about people who are actually going to come out and work with the horses in some way, build relationship in some way, right? Um, there are physical things that can make that hard for people to do. Although I have done um, groundwork type sessions like what you've done with, with a lovely person who was in a wheelchair. Um, I have worked with somebody who struggled with weight mm-hmm. as well um, and it and was not able to do physically the kinds of things, right? But we adjusted. So I, I, do, I think it's what's within your scope of practice. So what I would tell people is, my biggest stink in this field is when people get trained to do equine assisted therapy, and then they decide to work with veterans, but they've never worked with veterans, not appropriate, right? It's that if you've specialized in children, when you first start doing this work, you work with children doing this work. If you've specialized in um, treating quote, right? PTSD with veterans, then, then yes, integrate the horses into that work. Now, if you've never worked with veterans and you want to then get appropriate consultation, supervision, all of that to work with veterans and then incorporate horses always you know I'm talking on both ends like as the, as the as a consumer find what their training and scope of practice is if all they can say is that they only had training in equine therapy but don't specialize in any of certain things I think it's a good idea to shop a little right? right and then right and then I think for those of us who are practicing I think always thinking about that we're competent with the specific population that we work with. And we continue to make referrals when it's not, a, mm-hmm. when we are either getting appropriate supervision to see a new population that we don't have training with and training, um, you know, um, or we make a referral. We don't see them just because they wanted equine therapy yep. because we're working on specific things. No, that's so, good. That's good. Very good advice. Yeah. I do think this, this kind of work can be for lots and lots of people. I, even people who claim to hate horses. I've had great sessions <laughs> with them, you know, depends on what hate horse means. Sometimes that means I really hate being vulnerable.
0: <laughs> Usually, right? Yeah, it's
1: great work. Everybody hates right. therapy for
0: that too, yeah. Uh I think, yeah, somebody asked me the other day, like, well, I had emailed you and was saying, what's a good horse? And then I thought about it. It's like, well, there's not really, unless there's just a really, really traumatized horse who needs a lot of work and a lot of healing first, I, I would say, um, depending on the horse, depends on what you're going to learn. You know,
1: that, the answer, even to that question, has a lot to do with your competency.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So sometimes I even I just think about okay, so because people often ask too, do I need to partner like with an equine? If I'm a therapist, do I need to partner with an equine professional to do this work? And I even say, well, that depends too. You know, it depends on clinically what's happening with your client, but. You know, if I don't have the skill set with the horses, then yeah, I've got to have an equine professional there. If my equine professional doesn't have the skill set with a certain horse that's already have trauma it's not going to be safe for the horse, then right, we're at, we're at a huge deficit out of the box. Yeah, dead in
0: the water. And so,
1: yeah. So even which horse can I partner with? You know, Tim and I, for a long time, or for a few years, we're working with veterans who we were partnering them with wild Mustangs. And it was amazing work. I wouldn't recommend most people do that. Right. And I had an equine professional who was a, a absolute expert working with those wild horses. We knew what was going on there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, at the time, was receiving an enormous amount of training and supervision, you know, to the tune of like three consult calls a week to work with veterans because I was a little bit new in that field. Yeah. And we, it was powerful and it was amazing. But you don't go jump into this work and work with Mustangs.
0: No, definitely not.
1: Right. And so, I mean, this is, so, you know, my, my husband, Tim, he can be, he can oversimplify. Sometimes people will say, what kind of horse could you work with? And Tim will like, well, I mean, you know, they need to be alive or maybe dead. I'm like, oh, Tim, quit saying saying that. But, you know, one of the most powerful sessions Tim and I ever had with a client ever, that was a massive breakthrough moment, was with a horse of hers that had just
2: died.
1: Know, 20 minutes before she showed up for the session, so I guess yeah, we theoretically sort of did equine assisted therapy with a horse that had just passed. I mean, you know, with a yeah. dead horse. So, right, this is this is that we get to we get to do life with our clients in an, in a new way out there with the horses, and it's all about your ethics and and knowing when you're competent, when you're over your head. In this model, you can get in over your head really really fast because there's a lot of moving parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So having appropriate consultations which is why um, our certification is so heavy on the consult end
0: yeah uh, well that's extremely helpful i mean i would say the same thing in like sexual addiction and getting a csat and getting certified in that it's like you have to do four or five day intensives and 60 hour 40 hours of consultation and calls and supervision and it's because you can get really over your, in over your head really fast and i would say that with trauma in general you know you we work with human trafficking and women out of human trafficking, and you, you know, you vol- we have volunteers that show up to teach a class, and it doesn't always go well, you know. And they're they're like, I can't believe they cuss me out, or I can't believe they talk to each other like that, and they're super triggered and not regulated. And you know, you realize you you realize how few people are regulated on a re- you know daily basis, and that can go in and deal with somebody who's not regulated, and that's part of what I would, if therapists are listening to this or people who are working with trauma or veterans or you know whatever. You know, yeah, do your own work, get the right training, um, build up that your own ability to regulate and, and co-regulate, because when you get somebody in the room who's spiraling or triggered or overwhelmed or having an issue, man, that counter-transference and the thing it makes you remember about your own stuff that you're not, you know, we laugh about EMDR trainings. We were laughing about it the other day because you get, you know, you have to go through EMDR and do something and, and ev- everybody always comes back and says, Uh, you know, I, I thought I was going to pick a three out of 10 and I started doing the processing. (laughs) And then I realized like, you know, this jumps out of nowhere and I'm crying in front of this other therapist and, you know, but
1: it's never a three. It always goes back to something in childhood, right? Yeah. You like try to pick something
0: easy, but, but you know, but if you've never done that work, then it's a big surprise, you know, and what people need to come into an understanding is you think you're okay. And you think, and, and I, I get it. That's why people avoid therapy, right? Or avoid the work is they're like, I don't want to touch on the big thing, you know? Um, but man, once you do, then you actually get set free and you're not stuck back where you have been your whole life.
1: Well, and, and then you've, you've taken a a bit of a journey that you're trying to take others on. It's,
0: mm. you
1: know, the the program I went to at Denver Seminary required that we do 40 hours of therapy as part of our program. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so few programs that do that anymore and that's it, it is okay but you've got to find where to do that right so yeah. that was a gift to us because um it was required and there were also therapists in the area that would volunteer their time that reduced rates for us
0: that's good it's
1: lovely right but you've got to do your own work and and, and you've you know i i always say i have no idea how i would have been a parent or a therapist if I hadn't done this work with the horses, because it's it's in the pen with a horse that I learned the difference between pretending to be regulated, which I was darn good at, and actually being regulated. I mean, I, it's where I learned it. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I re-enter that space often, like in a hard moment with my kids, or in a really hard session with the client who's, you know, cussing me out, or cussing somebody else out, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. good stuff we have to be able to model we have to be able to model that so definitely yeah so it's powerful i think it's why i probably love the work so much because it's of course been really powerful for me like you've experienced Mm -hmm. once you experience it how do i get this for all my clients
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly no that's it's so true well look i i really appreciate you coming on and talking about it i hope that uh people will look this up and 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 uh do the training and come and you know that it becomes a a thing that is beneficial for you. Um, if you're listening, she, she's, patina has got the trainings up on the website. I'll put that up. Naturallifemanship.com. Um, got one going live right now. I know you have a, um, is it the intensive, not the intensive, the immersion coming up too? Um,
1: It's the, well, so we ha- do have two immersions coming up, which currently are full, oh, but yeah. you can sign up for the interest list in the event that one opens. We have two of those coming up, the personal one. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, the, the the next time that there will be a fundamentals or an intensive training is in is next year cuz yeah. these trainings last a while so this is finishing mm. out the fall for us. So um, and we've got I'm trying to, I think most of our trainings are full in person. The yeah. trainings are full for the rest of the year.
0: Mm -hmm. And and so if you're out there and you're, you're listening to this and you're interested in doing this type of therapy or doing this type of work as a client, if you want to be a client, you're like, Oh, this sounds right up my alley, or this is scary is I'll get out, but I think I can do it. You know, give us a call here in Treeport, give Bettina a call or look up on their website at their uh, options and we will figure it out with you and figure out how to get this going. Um, so yeah. Any closing thoughts, comments? No,
1: thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this a lot. I
0: love talking about this stuff. And yeah, we did a great to job. to
1: talk with somebody who's excited about the same stuff. So thank you. Yeah, yeah
0: no, no you. problem. I, and I, like I said, I was coming right off of this morning going out and, and helping uh, out at GREAT, which is uh, the equine assisted therapy place here. And it's, um well, it's actually equine therapy because it's the, they work with disabilities, um, autism, and then um, down syndrome and things like that. So, mm-hmm. but we got we got a grant for the first time ever to do some mental health work, and so that's where they're gonna do kind of group psychoeducation. But it's not equine assisted therapy; it's just equine work. So um,
1: yeah. equine assisted learning. So yeah, they usually call, yeah, that's what that's
0: what E A L. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Well, have a good day. Um, I know you're probably going back out to therapy and, and doing some work like I am. Um, I appreciate you so much and your time and what you guys are doing. Um and what you'll continue to do and and, uh I can't wait to see you when we do some work together and some training. So thank you guys. Subscribe um to our podcast. Um it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on wherever you listen to your podcast. Um Bettina, if you wouldn't mind, can I tag you when I share it and all that stuff? Okay. Please do. And then if you'll share it, that'd be awesome. Um then tag us. Okay. Well God bless you guys and have a good day, Bettina, good seeing you.